see how much rope they're going to give me this morning. <laughs> I talk with my hands, and so I'm only going to be half as good as normal this morning. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, this is good. I, I, uh, it's a pleasure to be back uh, at the chapel. It always is. Ooh, hot mic, hot mic. Uh, pleasure to be back at the chapel. It always is, and um, it's cool to see the staff take up the offering. I used to remember there was a guy named Bob. I don't even know his last name. He was here every Sunday. He sat right over here. And he had skin that looked like cow leather because I think he lived outside on the beach, like, with the surfers, like, you know, I don't know. You know him. Yeah. He had, like, probably 70 hours a week. He was in the sun with no sunscreen on. So he would come in, and he was just, like, very dark man, very dark man. And, uh, and his skin literally looked like cow leather. That's how I remember him, old Bob. But he would always tell us every Sunday we'd beat it back, and he would always come up and be like, you didn't smile. You didn't smile. So I feel like it's my obligation to tell the staff, you got to smile. Everybody got to smile. If you're doing an offering, you better smile or Bob's going to come back and tell you that. And I, I don't know if I'd want to see him now. So, um, so smile. And the other thing is he would bring more surfers into this place off the beach than, than we could shake a stick at. I, I don't know how many surfers that he led to the Lord, but we would see at least a couple every week that he would bring to the, to the service. And that was always inspiring. Oh, Bob. So... Um, so that's good. Now, I was, uh, before we get started, I was, Ricky gave me the introduction. I didn't, I didn't tell him all those things, so thank you, Ricky, for setting that up. But I, he talked a little bit about the last 10%. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about how Ricky taught me about the last 10%, because un, unknowingly, he inspired the last 10%. So I'm going to tell you this little story. So when you work at the chapel, you have to come and do a work interview. At least I did. Maybe they just did that for me. But I had to come do a work interview. And a work interview means you come down here for a day or two or three or weekend, whatever it is, and you go and work with some other chapel staffers. And those other staffers are going to work with you, and they're going to say, this is how you do this, and then you go do it. And they look at you, and they watch you do it, and they're like, yeah, he, he knows how to do it. He can do that. He, he's, he's all right. Or if they work with you all day and you've got a crummy attitude or you're just kind of like, I don't know, just not a good fit, then that's going to come back. So you've got you to gotta really bring it in your work interview. Well, when I was in college, I didn't know anything about the chapel. In fact, we'd come down here as family to Garden City. still didn't know anything about the chapel. I don't know. Maybe we had blinders on. But, we just, but I never, never knew anything about the chapel until I was in college, and I had a friend named Dev Bellflower from uh, Lake City. And Dev Bellflower told me, hey, you like Garden City? You need to come, you need to come down here. We can, we can hang out this coming summer. And so I did my work interview in the off-season, like in December, on Christmas break with Dev Bellflower, and Mr. Ricky Bass. And so I will tell you this story as much of it as I can. I come into one of the high-rises. It was either Mark or Luke. And they said, well, here's how the chapel staff, this is the chapel way. We have things the ways we do things. It's the chapel way. And you do it the chapel way every time. And so they showed me the chapel way of cleaning the toilet. So they open up the stall, and he gets a sponge and takes to getting very up close and personal with his toilet. And I was like, I haven't seen this before, but okay, we're going to get down on it. Let's go. And so he hands me the wet toilet bowl sponge after he gets done cleaning his toilet. It's like, you're up next. I said, okay, I'm feeling pretty good. I mean, it's the toilet. We can clean the toilet. And he opens the door to the next stall. <laughs> there hadn't been a group in this building in like at least two weeks. And I don't know if the person was sick here or here. I couldn't tell you because it was the worst sight I've ever seen in my life. And he's like, here you go. And I was like, I thought he was joking at first. I was like, 
he's not serious. And he's like, there you go. I was like, is this a test? Is this like anybody to pass this? Am I willing to do this? And so, of course, I can't do that. i got to be cool, man. I'm cool. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. I closed the stall. I'm like, <laughs> And so we got the toilet clean. I passed the test. I've made the staff. And, and inadvertently, Ricky taught me about the last 10% because that toilet was in the absolute worst 10% of any toilet I spent the whole three years of staff I spent on this staff. It was the worst. So it was all downhill from there. It was all downhill from there. Uh, today, I want, to, uh, I want to talk about an important topic. And uh, I want to talk about purpose. And I titled this message, The Purpose Driven Profession, God, You, and Your Work. And one of the reasons that I decided to, to do this this morning is because I'm not a pastor, uh, but I spend a lot of time coaching people and businesses. And my role right now is to help businesses build and grow high-performing teams. And um, I've been blessed by the Lord to be able to do that. And so I get to try to go in and find these tough situations where people are grinding each other and they're having these arguments and let's, let's see how we can work through it or if they need some processes in place or Whatever that is, if it's a culture issue and it's just kind of malaise, then let's, how are we going to work with the leaders to get this thing better? And so what I've been able to see as I've engaged a lot of different businesses and a lot of different people over the last few years is that we are living in a time, I would say, that there is a growing epidemic. And I use that word carefully because of all the stuff we've all been through the last few years. But I believe there's a growing epidemic of meaningless meaninglessness in our culture, purposelessness in our culture. And I think it's an honest discussion and things that we have to ask ourselves because we're all asking ourselves these important questions. And whether you're in high school or junior high, whether you're an employee on a team, whether you're a business owner, whether you're retired, you're asking questions about work, your work, and purpose. You hear terms in our culture like quiet quitting. You hear terms in our culture like the great resignation. All these buzzwords that they like to put on TV to make you like, ooh. I mean, I'd be scared to go to work every day. What? What? Oh, there's a great resignation going on. What is that? I don't know, but it sounds really scary, you know? And so it's true, though, that there seems to be a loss of, of passion and craftsmanship and pride in our work and just purpose in general which doesn't really surprise anyone, shouldn't surprise you if we take God out of our work and we take God out of our society and religion plays a less role in a secular society and we're trying to, we rely on science to answer all these questions that science wasn't made to answer, you can understand how the first thing to go would be our purpose. At least hopefully after today you'll see that. One of the highest rates of suicide, this is an interesting statistic, I found this to be fascinating, one well, of the highest rates of suicide, and, and granted, there's a lot of teen suicide. And so if any of you are struggling with depression or anything like that, you need to tell somebody. Uh, I'm the father of three daughters, and what we saw, the, the, the a documentary that showed how as soon as we put social media on cell phones, uh, teenage girl suicide went up. Big time. Big time. just is. So there's a lot of teen suicide. But do you know who the population that has the greatest suicide rate is? Middle-aged men. Middle-aged men have the highest rate of suicide. Why would that be? I think one of the reasons is that middle-aged men get to the, they're through their career and they're not where they want to be. They don't feel like they're doing what they want to do. 
and they lose purpose and they go, I'm done checking out. So what we want to do today is we want to ask some questions regarding purpose. So what questions are you wrestling with with purpose today? If you're a teenager, are you wrestling with, I mean, I did. What am I supposed to do when I grow up? What, what, what am I supposed to do? Like, am I, do I go to college? Do I not go to college? Do I go this way? Do I go that way? It's big questions. What if you're in a job and you're working already? You might be asking the question like, what am I doing every day? Like, does this mean anything? Or am I just getting in and punching the clock and just getting a paycheck and going home? You might be asking a question like, do I, do I take this promotion that they're offering me? Do I change jobs and, you know, reinvent my career? Maybe I'm retiring and trying to reinvent. What do I do when I retire? Do I lose my purpose when I retire? These are big questions, big questions. Everyone in this room is asking in some way or another. And so what I want to do is we want to dive into that because it's important that we understand what Scripture says about these questions and how we can move through them. And I believe that the Christian faith and the Christian worldview and the Bible gives a better explanation and a better reason and and the most substantial foundation to answer some of these tough questions than any other worldview, any other religion, any science, anything. This is where we're going to find it. Theodore Roosevelt shared, Far and away the best prize that life has to offer is the chance to do work hard, the chance to work hard at work worth doing. And I think that these words are definitely true today. Now let's talk about work for a second before we jump in. I am, I had a nickname in when I was growing up, especially in my teenage years, I was called the odd job man. The odd job man. See, I started, most people start with a, egg, a, a, a paper route, right? They start with delivering papers. You get on your bike, you throw the papers out, right? You see all the TV shows of that. I started with, we lived in the country, so I started with an egg route. So if Mike Rowe was still around and we had dirty jobs, Mike Rowe would have showed up with me, my eight-year-old self. We'd have gone down to the chicken coop. We'd have got the eggs out, carried them up in my shirt, which I'd have to wash after that because there's chicken poop all over it. Put them in my bathroom sink, work, take the paper towels, clean those eggs, Stack the eggs in the egg carton that was left over. We had one. I'd have to find egg carton. Put it in, get on my bike, and ride those eggs to Miss Franklin's house. And I think I did that for a quarter or 50 cents. I'm not sure. It was a hard way to make a dollar, right? Hard way to make a dollar. So after that, I got into, uh, I got into uh, sweeping floors. So swept some warehouse floors. Uh, did some landscaping at a hot spot and in yards in the summer. We did uh, did busting tables at a seafood restaurant. Uh, I was a five-star waiter at Millican, a guest house for those of you in Spartanburg. I did that in high school as well. And then um, I bailed hay, you know, did some of that. Um, we just, there was just a lot going on. Cut baby's breath for Saturday mornings. So I had a lot of work. And then I got here. And so got to do all the jobs here, like cleaning toilets, for example. You know, hey, nothing, nothing better than that. So I got to do all the jobs of the chapel, cutting grass and putting in light fixtures and fixing toilets and meeting, meeting, meeting youth groups and all these things. Got to do that here. But one of the weirdest jobs I ever had was running people out of a barbershop parking lot. I got to be honest. That was the most bizarre job I ever had. Why would anyone ever run anybody out of a barbershop parking lot? Well, because there's a restaurant across the street that didn't have any parking, and all the people would come over to the barbershop, and at lunchtime when you wanted a haircut, you'd drive and think the barbershop was full, and it wouldn't be full. It'd be empty. 
And the barbers would be sitting in there twiddling their thumbs and nobody was coming to get a haircut. So they paid me $10 an hour to sit in a chair and go, I'm going to tow your car if you park here. I'm really sorry. Don't hate me. And you can tell I was the most popular guy at Clemson that whole, that whole semester because everybody really hated my guts because there's no good way to tell somebody you're going to tow their car. But I wish I could say that I went through all of those jobs with this fantastic attitude. And just totally linked it to my purpose in life and just knew that God was in it and walking with me and preparing me. And if I told you that this morning, I would be lying. I would be totally lying. I probably had a really bad attitude through a lot of that. But I want to ask and I want to talk about three questions that will help you hopefully shape your attitude and your actions moving forward and your thoughts about work and purpose. So what are our three questions that we're going to be talking about this morning? Number one, why is our work important? Why is your work important? And just because you don't have a full-time job if you're a student, you don't get a free pass here. We all have work. We all have work. Why is it important? Number two, why is it then, if our work is so important, that it's sometimes unfulfilling? Just doesn't do it for me. Doesn't do it for me. And number three, what is our response to this? If you want to get your Bibles out, we're going to be in Exodus a little bit this morning, Exodus chapter 35, and I'm going to start reading at verse 30. So if you will, take your Bibles and turn to Exodus 35. We're going to start in verse 30 and 30, go to about 30, 31, 30, 30 to 35. So here we go. Then Moses said to the people of Israel, see, the Lord has called by name Bezalel, the son of Uriah, the son of Hur, and the tribe of Judah, and has filled him with the Spirit of God, with the skill, with intelligence, with knowledge, and with all craftsmanship to devise artistic designs, to work in gold and silver and bronze and cutting stones for setting and in carving wood for every skilled craft. And he's inspired him to teach both him and Aholiab, the son of Ahismach. I'm just doing my best, of the tribe of Dan. He has filled them with the skill to do every sort of work done by an engraver or by a designer or by an embroiderer in blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twilled linen and, or by a weaver of any sort of workman or skilled designer. Bezalel and Oholiab and every craftsman in whom the Lord has put a, a skill and intelligence to know how to do any work in construction of the sanctuary shall work in accordance with with all that the Lord has commanded. And so he called every craftsman in whose mind the Lord had put skill and everyone whose heart stirred up him up to come and do the work. I want to point out a few, few pieces of those verses to you as we move through. In verse 31, he said, He filled them with the Spirit of God in wisdom, in understanding, in knowledge, and in craftsmanship, in craftsmanship. In 33, it says, so as to perform every inventive work. In 35, it says, he filled them with skill to perform every work of an engraver and designer. And then he calls everyone who his heart was stirred in them to do that work. So why is our work important? When we look at the Old Testament and we look at Exodus and we look at this passage, our work, your work, 
my work is so important because our work is our act of worship. It is a way that we worship God. We sing songs on Sunday morning, and we worship in song. But don't miss the other days of the week that God has given you to worship him, and we worship him in our work. How do we do that? Well, it's interesting because how do we know how to, how do we know how to worship God in our work? Well, guess what? The good news is, is just like in the Old Testament and Exodus, we see that he has given us everything we need. God gives us wisdom. God gives us understanding. He gives us knowledge. And he gives us even skills. So if you're a great computer programmer, guess where that came from? Not, not video games. It came from the Lord. It came from the Lord. And so uh, he's, uh, he's, he could have, he God could have brought it from the, the, the tabernacle down from the sky. But instead he said, nope, I'm not going to drop the tabernacle out of the clouds. I'm going to take my chosen people. I'm going to equip them to do work. And I'm going to call them to do that work. And then they're going to go do it. They're going to bring a place on earth where I can dwell. So he used his chosen people to bring to bear on this world a place where God could come and dwell with his people. I think that's a beautiful picture of work. Now he gave, he gave Aaron and all these priests their role in the tabernacle. But to build the tabernacle, he wasn't talking to the priests. He was talking to everybody else. That means that if you don't work at a church, I am sorry to tell you, you do not get a free pass. You are still working for the Lord, no matter what you do. If it is good work, it is the Lord's work. It doesn't have to be in church or foreign missionary. Every work, every inventive work is the Lord's work. The second thing I want you to know is why is our work important? The second thing is that our work is made just for us. How do I know that? Well, in Ephesians 2.10 in the New Testament says, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God prepared work before you were you for you to walk through and walk in and to do. The work was waiting on you to get here. Do you think the God that designed a universe to where if it was off by a nickel of mass would not exist has overlooked your role and your job in the work that he designed you to do? There's work that you are placed where you are, made how you are, that God made just you to do. Just you. So we've got to figure out some stuff. We've got to figure out what that means. If you know what you're called to do, there were people growing up, and it was like sixth grade. They're like, I'm going to be a teacher. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Go be a teacher. It's going to take a lot of steadfastness to make it through that, to, to, to meet your calling. It's going to take a lot of discipline. Maybe there's some in here that goes, I hear what you're saying. I have no idea what I'm supposed to do. No idea. Congratulations. You and me are very much alike. I'm still figuring it out day at a time, day at a time. I'll tell you, when I, when I figure out what I'm supposed to be when, the, when I grow up, I'll let you know. I'll let you know. But here's what I know. God's sovereign, and you get to have faith. So if you don't know, you get to have and develop your faith through your walk, through your career. God will open the doors you need to go through. He'll give you, the, he'll give you what you need to walk. He'll give you the knowledge and wisdom as you move. All right, here's the last thing. The last point I want to tell you that's the secret sauce, the secret 
recipe of why your work is so important gets to the heart of it all. It gives us a chance. Our work gives us a chance to bring our all, all of our heart, to bear on our work. That is, we can give all of ourselves to that work. Now, why is that important? In the 80s, in the early 80s, I think it's 81, the movie came out called Chariots of Fire. And I know there's a lot of people in here hadn't seen that movie or heard about that movie. It was about some runners, and it was running in the Olympics. And what the problem that this runner was, it's based on a true story. The problem that uh, Eric Little had was that as he was preparing to go and run in the Olympics, his event landed on a Sunday, and he was very convicted about running on Sunday. And so I'm not going to spoil the movie. Go and check it out on Netflix or Amazon Prime or wherever, you get, wherever videos are sold. But uh, check out Chariots of Fire. It's a great movie. One of his quotes in the movie that says, I believe he says this, I believe God made me for a purpose, but he also made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. Notice how he said when he runs, he feels his pleasure. When he's doing what he's made to do, he feels God's pleasure. Are you running in your work? If you go to school, that's your work. You know, If you volunteer, it's your work. If you have a job, do you feel his pleasure? Are you bringing your all to what you do? Are you running a race, like Paul says, running to win everything you've got? If you do, you'll feel his pleasure. Boy, that feels good, doesn't it? Doesn't that go a long way with meaning, purpose, knowing that we're, we're counting and making a difference in what we do? Part of that is, are you bringing it all that God has given you to your work? You know, there's a lot of things... Um, there's a lot of things that you can do, and I'll tell you this story about the chapel real quick. When I first started here, I talked to somebody, and I said, hey, what's the deal? Um, is this good? Is this, is this, is it going to be fun? Is it going to be hard? I mean, how do you like it? And he said, hey, man, I got some news for you. You get out what you put in. You get what you give. And I was like, that is the weirdest answer, but thanks for sharing. I'm going to just go over here now. Right? <laughs> and it took me some time, but by the end of the first summer, I knew exactly what he's talking about. And by the third, I could tell you. This guy's going to be it. This guy's not going to make it. Because I could tell, you can tell who was going to do well and who was going to love being here at the staff, love the chapel and be a part of it because they took ownership. They weren't late for them early morning yard meetings. They didn't miss the Bible study. On their day off, you could see them, and they'd walk down the road, and you'd see a piece of trash, and you'd see them pick it up. It's not even their time. They're, not even day, they're on their day off. They pick up trash. Oh, they go to the children's home on their day off. They're doing things above and beyond the call of duty. They're giving all of themselves, all of themselves to that work. You get what you give. And it was those guys, I love this place. They're like, man, this was awesome. I love this place. I love this place. And it was the people that walked in. They're kind of doing like this right here. You know, okay, I'm here for the meeting. I stayed up till 4 in the morning last night, you know, playing whatever. And I was like, well, I'm going to do my best today, right? No. Nope. They're going to be gone. They'll be lucky if they make it through the midsummer reviews, man. They'll be lucky. So it's about what you bring to your work. There's a lot of things about your work in school you can't control, but you can't control what you bring in your attitude, right? You can control that in your effort. When Jesus was resurrected, he started a new work here on earth. 
He started that, and we're his first fruits. And so let's talk about this, the second thing. We talked about why is work important. Second thing is, why is it unfulfilling? If it's so important, why am I not fulfilled when I do this work? Well, in Colossians, we read this in three Colossians 3, 23 and 24. Whatever you, whatever you do, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for human masters, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance for you serve the Lord Jesus Christ. If we do not bring, just like we were talking about, we have the opportunity to bring our whole self to work, bring our whole heart to bear on what we're doing. If we don't do that, what do we miss? We miss the inheritance that Christ is giving us now because he came so that we could live life abundantly, not one day when at the end of time, but today. And one of the things that we've learned in Colossians is that one of the ways we do that is we bring our whole self, our whole heart to our work. So if you don't, the work may just not, it may just be like a flat soda. Everybody, you know, picked up a can of flat soda. My God, you know, don't be a flat soda. Um, Secondly, if you do bring your all to that work, you will suffer as Christ suffered. But the great thing is that Christ meets you in that suffering. And when you run out, that's when he picks up. I've got a lot of stories. It's funny, you were talking about Paul and his stories. I came in right after Paul, and I got to hear some of those stories too. Um, Got my own stories, but I'll tell you one of the stories was we were here one night. It was about 8 o'clock in the evening. I'll never forget it. And they come and do an all hands on deck. Everybody clear the clear the clear the staff apartment upstairs. I, I wasn't working. I'd work yard all day. I was tired. Some person had run in the sea shack and said, "Our group is here." In John, and a girl was in the session and she ran out. She's suicidal and she's headed toward the ocean. So, you got twelve staffers beelining it. To the ocean. I don't know how many of us jumped in the water. We're looking around. We're going over. No girl. Maybe she didn't get in the water. Maybe she just ran away. Was she suicidal or not? I don't know. Maybe she was. Okay. What was she wearing? White shorts and a red shirt. Okay. Saddle up. We get guys in the truck, in our yard truck. We drive down, drop some off at the end of the inlet. We got some here going, meeting them halfway. We drop some off at the Surfside Pier. And we, I spent from 8 o'clock to 2 in the morning, I walked through every house, underneath the house, talking to everybody from here to Surfside with all these other guys doing the same thing. And we didn't find her. I mean, we worked. We were looking everywhere. And Ricky remembers this. We're standing at the Surfside Pier, all of us. Everybody had met back up at the Surfside Pier. And we're just like, we don't know what else to do. We didn't find her. We don't know where she is. I mean, you call the police, tell the police they're out looking for her, put in a missing person report. She's she's not here. And Ryan Newkirk just walks off. And we're all standing in a circle, you know, it's it's 2 in the morning. He just walks off. And he comes back, and his eyes are as big as saucers. And we're like, Ryan, what's going on? He's like, I found her. You found her? You found the girl? He's like, yeah. Well, how did you know where to look? We've been looking all night. He goes, well, we were just standing here talking, and we said we hadn't found her. And then it was like the Holy Spirit just said, you need to go look that one more house. And he goes, so I just was like, well, okay, I don't, that's not normal for me. So I'll just go. And he walked over there, and she was asleep in a hammock under the house, one house over. 
from the pier where we had looked. When you give your all, you will suffer. You will have a hard road. You will walk under every house all the way from here to Surfside and get nothing. And when you run out, that's when the Lord will pick up. So we, we want to give our all. If we don't, we don't get that blessing from the Lord. Another reason that we, uh, we can be uh, unfulfilled is we're working outside our gifts. That's an easy one. Remember in Exodus, he gives certain gifts of embroidery and design. He gives certain gifts of crafting gold and all these things. Well, don't, if, you're, if you're good at embroidery, don't go into the gold guy's you know, forge. Don't do that. Don't be somebody else. This is a call for you to understand who you need to be. Who has God called you to be? If you're in high school, college, junior high, one of the things you need to be exploring and really asking yourself is, how has God made me? What gifts has he given me that I can bring back to him as an offering? How has he made me unique? He's given every one of you amazing gifts. But you've got to find it. You've got to seek it. It's just not like, oh, my gosh, I'm supposed to be an Olympic luge person. Oh, I just, that just came to me all of a sudden. That's not how it works. You've got to find it. Test that faith. Test the faith. All right. The most, the most important reason our work is unfulfilling is that we are striving in our own purpose for our own end. If you are working really hard at a job in your school and you feel burnout, you feel like you have tremendous anxiety or depression, it could be because you are trying too hard to do it on your own, on your own. Christ is asking and telling, just like he told the woman at the well. There's a hole that only Christ can fill, and Christ is the one that gives those living, refreshing waters all the time. So if you feel empty and burnt out, even if you bring all your heart to your work, and you're like, I'm passionate about what I do, and I'm living in my strength. I'm the best at this in the world. You can still fail to get purpose and meaning from your work if it's not coming from Christ. If you don't take my word for it, Tom Brady When you get done here, go YouTube 60 Minutes Interview with Tom Brady and listen to Tom Brady tell the 60 Minutes interviewer this. He just won his third Super Bowl. He'd he'd married the global supermodel worth $100 He's worth $100 The guy said, you just won your third Super Bowl. You started this dynasty. What do you have to say? And he goes, well, I've gotten everything I ever dreamed of and more. And I mean, is this it? There's got to be more than this. He says this on 60 Minutes. He just won the Super Bowl. He didn't even say he's going to Disney World. He said, I've got it all. I've got the world by the horns. I've got everything I ever wanted and more. And this is it? This is it? Don't get there. Don't be there. Don't be there. We've got to seek the Lord first. Seek the Lord first. So, are you living and finding meaning in your work? If not, what are those three things maybe you missing? What, what are we missing if we're not finding mean, meaning and purpose in our work? And I'm going to close it out this morning by telling and, and talking through some of our response. If you find yourself in a place where you don't know, what am I going to do with my life? Or what am I doing in my job? The first thing I would encourage you to do is pray and seek the Lord. Pray. And you go, well, I've done that. Do it more. Do it harder. Bring your whole heart to those prayers. Get on your knees. Have you fasted? You should try it. You know? Just try it. It's good. It's good. Because when you get to that desperate place, that's where God can meet you. There are a lot of things, and I would say this. If you need direction, ask for it. 
If you need to go and take a personality test, go take a personality test. Strength finder. Go take a strength finder. Know how God created you. Talk to your parents. Talk to your friends. Talk to your mentors. Hey, when you see me, like, what do you see? Like, what am I good at? Like, I'm trying to figure this out. What do you think I would be good at? Take a stab at it. Let's go. Let's run. But don't just wait on something to show up to you and just like, well, okay. Um, secondly, I would say pray and seek first. Secondly, bring all your heart. Bring all your heart to whatever it is to do as believers, as believers. It doesn't matter if you're in junior high or you're a teenager or in college or in your work. We are called as believers to bring our whole self to bear on this world for Jesus Christ all the time. Bring your whole self to bear for Christ as worship. You can't control a lot of things at work, but you can't control your attitude and your effort. You can't control your attitude and your effort. So ask yourself, am I giving my full self? Am I giving all that I am and all that I can to Christ in my work? Ask yourself this question. If God asked me to be one of those craftsmen to build their tabernacle, what would it look like when I got done? Boy, that's a gut check, man. Oh, oh does anybody feel that with me? Oh, that's tough. That's tough. What would it look like if he asked you to build it? Would it kind of be a little sloppy? Be honest. Be honest. Don't, don't, don't shortchange that. What would, his, what would his house look like if he asked you to build it? What does your life look like? Because he's asked you to walk in it and through it. What does your work look like? Because he's asked you to do it. And lastly, just like you read in that first from, verse from Psalms, I thought it was awesome because it goes right into what we're talking about today, is that are you resting and abiding and trusting? We're not called to do easy work. Work is hard. And sometimes it's very disappointing because we don't get what, we, what we're shooting for. We make plans and ambitions and goals, and they just don't work out. But when they don't work out, can you say, hey, I'm resting in the Lord. You know, I think about the Israelites. Were they resting and abiding in the Lord when they were in Egypt? Because they were asked to build all these things for the greatest kingdom on earth to that point. Well, I think that there was probably a few of them was like, if Pharaoh asked me to build another golden necklace or another golden scepter for him, I am going to croak. I'm so mad at doing this, right? And yet God knew that he was growing and building them in all craftsmanship, not to serve Pharaoh, but to build his house where he could dwell on earth. Help the Lord bring on the new creation by living for Christ in all you do. In 1 Peter 4.10 it says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So my prayer for you today is that you would be encouraged, but you would be emboldened to go and find the work that the Lord has to do and do it with all your heart. Do it with all your heart. Let's bow our heads. Father God, we just thank you for the opportunity.